What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Seven Figure Flipping Podcast. This is Bill Allen. And oh my gosh, I just interviewed a 14-year-old young man, boy, kid, uh, 14-year-old who is flipping his third house. He's in the middle of flipping his third house. So him and his dad get on and talk about all of the, what's, what, how it started, what's going on now, how much money he's made, all of that stuff. And we also, at the end, talk about our brand new kids mastermind. It's called Teenage Tycoon. I'm insanely excited about it. I can't wait for the launch of this and I can't wait for families to jump in and be a part of it. So without further ado, I'm going to give you the podcast, but we've got uh, Ryan and Oliver Whitefield on the show today. It was incredible. You guys have to watch this one. My name is Bill Allen and I'm the leader of a group of elite house flippers and wholesalers called Seven Figure Flipping. We don't brag or show off our success, but instead let integrity and stewardship be our guide. We are dedicated to helping people unlock the freedom they desperately need. If you ask other real estate investors, they will say to keep your secrets quiet. But we believe in abundance, not scarcity. And that's why we are the elite. We are Seven Figure Flipping, and this podcast is our playbook. Hey everybody, I'm back with an awesome show today. I'm really excited about today because I've got another uh, another parent-child duo. So parent-child is probably like, makes people, that you guys sound really young child kids. I'm still having trouble with this. So um, parent teenager combo. How's that? So uh, I'm really excited about this because really the shows that I'm doing right now is, is, is really kind of talking about some of the, the ups and downs that we have as parents and, and the kids that, that are, that are doing really big things and, and finding like the next level for themselves. And uh, I've got, uh, I've got a combo on here that are doing some really big things and it's really cool. And so really we're here to talk with the, with the kids, but it, it's such a good perspective to get from the parent side as well, because I know most of you that listen, you're going to be the parent of, the, of these children and you're looking for something for the future of your child for you. You want to, you want to, to help them become successful, but not actually like drag them along the journey. You want that and, and you don't want to force it on them and all these things. And you want to figure out how to motivate and inspire them to do it. So I, what was really interesting about the last show that I did, and obviously probably this show and the future shows is how do we inspire our children to do more? How do we inspire them to, um, to follow their journey and their path, even though it, it may or may not look exactly like ours. And, and most of you want a better life for your kids than you had yourself. Right. And that's, kind of uh, what we're talking about here. So I'm excited today. I've got uh, Ryan Whitefield and his son, Oliver Whitefield, who apparently goes by Ollie, Olive, and Olive Garden. So if you're interested in in that, uh, we were talking a little pre-show. He said some of his friends joke around with him at school. Um, so um, Ollie is doing some really big things. I'll let him tell you about that. But uh, welcome to the show, guys. How are you? Good. Happy to be here. Thanks for having us. I'm good. Are you really happy to be here, Ryan? Love it. Because you sold me it's not alive, so I'm okay. <laughs> That's right. I got a text from Ryan last night, and he's like, uh, hey, I'm wondering, uh, my son is a little nervous about the show, and I was reading between the lines, and what he's really saying is, I'm nervous about the show, and I'm going to blame it on my son. Is it true or true, Ryan? Who asked me to send that text? Me, yeah. <laughs> oh, I you did. Yeah. Okay, all right. I could tell he was too, and he needed it, so like, it was kind of like a two-way <laughs> So you were looking out for So me. you were just looking out for your dad. Appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, basically. For sure. You've seen All right, Oliver, how are you doing? I'll be great, man. How are you? Very good. I'm good. I'm good because I'm talking to you guys. And we're talking about something that uh, is very like near and dear to my heart and also very current 
in what we're doing. So um, Oliver, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about kind of your, your, your story and what you've done up to this point? Um, so it, it kind of all started last year. Um, I was kind of hanging out and I was like, I want to try and make some money, right? <laughs> so um, I asked my dad if I could do anything to kind of help out with like houses. So he showed me Zillow and everything. Um, so I was just kind of scrolling through there, looking through the different houses. And then I actually found one that was pretty good. So I sent it over to him and he ended up um, purchasing the home. So I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> so um, Okay, wait a second. Wait a second. How did you know it was pretty good? Well, because he just kind of showed me everything on like how to do on like how to find stuff. Like he kind of has mentored me through everything. And he's kind of showed me um, what it is. And then um, he got one of his friends to teach me how to go through the MLS and to run um, my, my own comps on different homes. So I ran the comps on that and then I sent it um, to, to the guy who works with him. So then he ran it too. And then um, we had pretty close comps uh, that were both around the same, which ended up being good. So I was like, hey, he was sending. Okay, so how, how, long, how long before that had you been trying to like learning and figuring things out and, and learning how to run comps and, maybe, and stuff? Maybe like, like a month? Yeah, month or two. So somebody showed you how to do something over the period of a short period of time, like a, mm -hmm. a how long did that take? Like a day or something? Or yeah, it, it was about a day. I'd say like um, obviously different days. I kind of did it all through. Like the whole process was like a little while, but yeah, it, it was about a day for everything. Okay, so like a day total of showing you how to do this, and then you had been mm -hmm. you had been kind of practicing for like a month looking at properties or something like that. Yeah. So you found one that you thought was good. Mm -hmm. And then I, and then I sent it over like, obviously there hadn't been the first one that I had sent over to him. Uh, we, we'd send some others. One of them we walked through, but it, it just wasn't as good in person. Um, so it, there's obviously a bit of trial and error, obviously, but um, I just kind of got like all hyped up by the process and like the feeling of finding something that worked. So I was like, sweet. Then um, he took me to oh, Flip Hacking Live in Orlando last year. Okay, wait a second, wait a second. I want to stay on this for a second before we go to uh, Flip Hacking Live. So you you found this property. So you spent like a, a month looking at properties. Some of the ones that you sent over, they, they were like, this doesn't work. And did you get feedback like of why it didn't work? Yeah. On those ones? He showed me like um, different things about it. Like um, when I first started um, kind of like doing it, I had accidentally sent him like a couple of trailer homes on accident and I was like, Oh, my bad, right? <laughs> and I just did some stuff like um like the main road and there's just different things kind of that didn't work in our criteria, which he showed me on every single property what didn't work or how the price was off or anything like that. Um so so that's why it kind of meant more to me when I actually found one that worked. I was like, Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, so you would get some feedback of, Hey, this doesn't work because of X, Y, and Z over mm -hmm. time. And then you started learning from that. Then, yeah. okay, well, that's something that I learned. I'm not going to do that next time. I'm not sending uh, manufactured homes anymore. I'm going to look for single family homes or this <laughs> road doesn't fit all the things that, I mean, frankly, everybody in our program is learning right now. Right. And everybody that's out there on the street is learning. And then after a month, you found one that you thought would work. You sent to them. You sent it to, to somebody yeah. on your dad's team and they said it does work and your comps were pretty close. Mm -hmm. So over about a month, you're dialing in your numbers to get to a point where you're more confident, you're getting closer to what they should be for somebody that has a lot of experience. And then what did they end up doing with that house? 
Uh, they ended up purchasing it and then um, remodeling it. And I was like, sweet, right? So then um, I called them and I was like, yeah, do I get any money from this? Like, <laughs> I found something, uh, he ended up giving me a, a thousand bucks. And I was like, yeah. So really like, uh, oh. Okay, so you got a little finder's fee from that one for a thousand dollars? So then after that, I was kind of like, dang, I, I just keep doing this, right? Like, because <laughs> obviously, like, I've never had that much money before or even talked about ever having that much money in my whole life. And then when I got, I was like, wow, right? Because it was just kind of unexpected. Uh, so then uh, it was kind of after that when I was just like rapid fire mode when I just started like going, going, going. And I started sending him like, I, I was trying to send him what, like a house every single day or something ridiculous like that. I just like didn't stop searching. And then after that, that's when um, he brought it to me, he was like, hey, um, I'm going to one of those events. Um, and if you want, I'd like to take you. And I was like, sweet, right? Um, so then he kind of like showed me what it was and everything. So that, um, he- Okay, hold on. Before we go any further, how old were you when this happened? You I got that thousand dollars. 13. 13. 13. And so what did you do with the thousand dollars? I ended up just like buying some sneakers and stuff. A thousand dollars worth of sneakers? Yeah. Okay. I mean, like, I I did spend most of it though. <laughs> so okay. So what did you learn from that? Like, good idea, bad idea to buy it all, buy buy a bunch of sneakers. Yeah. yeah. From, what do you think? It, it was definitely a bad idea. Um, like, so it, some of the sneakers, I was like, yeah, it's definitely worth it. But then, like, some of them I didn't really need at the time, and like, I still don't really wear them as much as I should, or like, even seen because like, yeah. I, <laughs> I probably should have saved it a bit longer to then kind of put it towards something more or just like reinvest it. Uh, but he bought sports memorabilia too. But yeah, it was still that wasn't. Uh, I, I, bought, I bought a couple signed jerseys. Stuff. <laughs> so. uh, well, I would normally I would say something, but I just had a guy deliver uh, a signed Ray Lewis jersey, a signed Mike Ditka picture, <laughs> a signed Nolan Ryan baseball. A signed Deion Sanders jersey and oh, wow. a signed Dennis Rodman jersey from a charity auction that I just went to last week. So I can't say anything. But what I can say is the the proceeds of the stuff that I bought went to a good cause. So um, but I'm a I'm kind of if you ever bring me to uh, an event and it has some sports memorabilia, I'm probably gonna be interested. <laughs> so. Um okay, so you spent the thousand dollars. And, uh, but you, you got some, uh, you're 13 years old. You got some great feedback mm -hmm. and then, uh, your dad was telling you about, Oh, let, let, before we go there, Ryan, like, what was it like for you during this time? What is your perspective on all of this that you were seeing? In yeah. When he first come to me and said, Hey, I want to, want to earn some money. Can I do something with the real estate? First I'm thinking, Oh, I can go and demo some houses and, and do physical labor, but our houses are not very close to where we live. And honestly, that means dad's going to drive them everywhere. And I'm going to end up demoing all the houses with it. So uh, I thought I'll show him another way. And that's finding houses. And at the time, it was easier not to show him the MLS. It was just to show him Zillow, right? Show him the basics. Look for some properties on here. But then he was sending, I would just get these texts constantly, all these different properties. And I don't even spend much time underwriting them. My team does. So I'd forward ones that I thought were good. And I'm like, whoa, we got to slow this down and actually teach you a process. So that was when I had, I had Mal, my team, teach him how to use the MLS and run his own comps. So he can do that before bringing us deals and wasting all our time, you know, and 
filling up our, our texts all day long. But um, so so that went that went well because obviously he found found the property, and I wanted to reward him with something. Um, he didn't spend the whole thousand dollars on on shoes. I wouldn't have let it. <laughs> but uh, I tried to. <laughs> but uh, you know, he understood the process and. What I was concerned about at that point is I didn't want him to think that it was easy to earn a thousand dollars either. Um, so I had to really kind of go through all the steps that we'd have to go through to underwrite, to close, to buy, um, to get the renovation costs. You know, there's a lot of work that goes into it. And, you know, he himself probably looked up 50 houses before he found that one that worked. So, you know, I took the lesson of, okay, this work out how much time you've spent to actually earn that thousand dollars because he's just seen a thousand bucks and thinking that was easy. So I had to kind of break it down a little bit into, you know, return on time. What did you do? Yes, you have earned very well. But um just before, you know, taking it to the next step for him. So how did it feel for you to see him uh like get that involved and excited about it? It was a very proud moment where he was finally coming to me and starting to get enthusiastic about it um i've flipped hundreds of houses uh, especially since he's been born my wife is an interior architect interior designer so we're very integrated in our business together the reason our homes do so well is is because of our talents but he has spent numerous weekends going around properties because that would be the only time sometimes we'd have together you know as husband and wife to, to go out to these properties and he wouldn't even want to get out of the vehicle you know, no interest whatsoever. Um, and my advice to other parents looking to get their children into the, you know, follow follow them into real estate is continue to nurture, but do not push. So I, I never pushed once. And he would pick up conversations that we were having and slowly he'd start to get out and look around houses. And then he'd be like, oh, so you're going to open this wall, you know, and he'd start throwing his input in. So it was a gradual process and... You know, it kind of mattered my heart a little bit when he's finally like, I want to get involved. So, and it's such a young like age, you know, to be able to nurture him. I never had a father figure in my life to nurture and show me how to be a man and how to step up and support myself. So that's one gift I'm excited to be able to do for him. So, yeah, what I, I what I, I hear there is it, it like, it's not like Ali wasn't necessarily like massively interested in real estate. He was interested in making some money, right? <laughs> and usually that's where it starts. Like I, I tell people all the time, real estate is frankly, it's just a widget. If you fall in love with the real estate, you're going to, it's going to be an interesting journey. A lot of people don't necessarily fall in love with the real estate. They have, they fall in love with what real estate can provide for them. And so when a young person wants some money and has the opportunity to figure out, Hey, this is something that my parents do. This is something that like they're doing well. Maybe I can start, maybe I can find something here. Finds it, finds the thing they're really good at and that they enjoy. They get some money back and now they're like, okay, there's probably more where that came from. Let's, let's keep going. And my guess is that was it. Like you're interested in some sneakers, you're interested in some sports memorabilia, you're interested in having some money. And as you get older, you're going to be interested in buying a car. You're going to be interested in having your own house. You're going to be interested in doing other things, taking vacations and trips and and, and all that stuff, and you're going to realize that, you know, it takes money to do some of those things. And if you can figure out that game early, then you can pretty much do whatever you want later. And so um, that's exciting. Okay, so now you went to the 
so this event, Flipback yeah. Live, this was this was the one in Orlando last year, yeah. right? Orlando. Um, okay, so what is, what was that like? I enjoyed it. Yeah, I I thought it was really good, and, and it kind of like it was almost like it lit a spark, kind of. And then, uh, like you were just saying about like falling in love with it, and whether it was just infinite money. At first, I was just kind of like, okay, so yeah, I can make some bucks, right? <laughs> But then after that event, it really just kind of like lit me up and I was like, I want to do this. I honestly think that this is the path I'm supposed to go down because after I heard um, Dawson, um, his whole presentation, I was kind of like, well, dang, I can do more, right? <laughs> so then uh, I came home. So what was Dawson's presentation for anybody who's listening who doesn't, who wasn't there, um, doesn't know what it was? Yeah, so he kind of presented him flipping a house at what what was he 11 10 and i was just yeah uh yeah i think 11 12 between the ages of 11 and 12 and i was just kind of like dang right and his whole thing was if i can do it you can do it too and i was like that's right i can probably do that (laughs) so so that's why i was kind of like yeah let's go i I should probably like keep you down and start doing more um so i so you saw somebody who was younger than you, mm. who was doing something that you hadn't done. Yep. And you realized that it's possible for you. Basically, yeah. Because at that time, I only thought it could be like people in like their 20s or 30s that could ever do anything like this. And then after I'd seen him do it, I was kind of like, oh, okay. So I can actually put more into this than what I've already done. So that's, so it was kind of like, um, almost like a wake up call for me a little bit. Uh, so that's why I just kind of want to get out there more. And on the last day of the event, I was um, talking to him if I could do more. And um, I was just going through houses on Zillow at, and it was just, it was just funny because I showed him this house and he was like, oh yeah, I just purchased that. And I was like, oh really? He's like, yeah, um, we're in talks over contract right now. So then I asked him if I could take over the property. And he was like, uh, yeah, we can look it over maybe because it was pretty close to our house. It was like 10, 15 minutes away. Um, so we get back and he gives me a green light. And I'm like, oh, sweet, right? Like, but at the same time, I was kind of nervous because I'm like, how do I do this? So first house was kind of just me um, calling up investors, getting the money, setting everything up, talking with um, like designs and just getting everything together. But he mentored me and he kind of just like guided my head through the whole entire process, which I'm very thankful that I have someone that can do that, that can um, like show me the step-by-step process on how to be successful in this business. Um, <laughs> so this is something just um, happy about that. So then that all went well. Um, and we made like 20 grand on it. You made 20 grand on it. Yeah, me, yeah. <laughs> so I, I don't know why. I just get kind of like, because I feel like I, I owe you for just what, for like what you've done and like the help and everything. Um, yeah, I don't know. So yeah, I, I made 20 grand on it. And um, right after that, I kind of just like took a little bit off and I was kind of like, you know, I was like, you know what? <laughs> well, I, I, I like this, right? Like, okay, I can chill out now. And then um, he kind of reminded me when he was like, we're looking for some properties. And I was like, oh, shoot. <laughs> so then um, so I Wait, said, wait, before we go any further, did you buy $20,000 worth of sneakers? 
No, no. Uh, I actually. Okay, had... what'd you do with the twenty thousand dollars? So, um, a thousand of that I put towards um the Seven Figure Foundation at um the latest slip hacking event in um San Diego. I donated a thousand dollars towards um the charity there, which um I just felt kind of obliged to. I was like, I have this right here, and I'm probably like. <laughs> If I'm going to go blow this, there's no point of me actually, like, it's funny, because first of all, two reasons. One, that's not teaching me anything, and I can use this money to help someone else. And I'm like, I want to do this, so, um... And yeah. you had been to some of the events, some of the uh, foundation events before, right? You've been to two impact Yes, yeah. yep. two impact tricks. We went to, um, the latest one in, uh, where was it? Tijuana. Tijuana, yeah. And, um, and we helped a family of five. Um, building home, and then in uh, I can't remember if it was June or July, we went down to um, Rosarito, I believe, and we built um, a home for a family of four that like tons of dogs. <laughs> so this is so sweet, yeah. and it it really just kind of like set on my heart, and it was like once again like another wake up call to appreciate more of what I have, and that's one reason that I like real estate a lot is because. It's like a business where I can be flexible with myself and I can use the money I make from it to impact someone else's life and I can help someone else while doing it. And that just means a lot to me, just being able to have the flexibility to just be like, you know what, we're going to go somewhere to go help someone else. Because like, if I'm working a nine to five job and I got like check in, check out, I can't just go and drop off for like a week to go build a house for some homeless people. You know, and th that's one thing that I really um, like about it is just like the flexibility that I can have to do things with like just my friends and like my family and like the way that I can impact someone else's life. Um, <laughs> uh, why don't you tell everybody who's listening how old you are now? I'm 14. Yeah. So uh, what, last when did year, you turn 14? In August. When did you? August. Okay. So we're, uh, November now. So you just turned 14 a few months ago. Um, pretty incredible. Like, uh, I, I'd say it's, it's really, um, th that kind of, uh, level of, uh, like maturity and, and realization is, is, I, I think it's pretty, pretty young. When I was 14 years old, I, I don't even want to tell you what I was doing when I was 14 years old. So, uh, I'm really, it's really incredible. So I, I want to get your dad's side of this. So, from uh, Flip Hacking Live last year, which was like, you know, a year, a little over a year ago, um, to that first house and things like that. Uh, Ryan, what, what were some of the things that, that you saw? Like, what was it like to see him there at Flip Hacking Live and, and watch uh, Dawson's presentation? And then ha probably you had some conversations after that. What was that like for you? Yeah, for me, it was, it was seeing him actually engage with other real estate investors there, asking questions. Um, people were asking him questions because, you know, you allow younger kids to the events they're a draw because people are interested in them and what their journey is. So to see him having full-on conversations and being able to carry those conversations, I was like blown away by it. Then he said, you know, I'd, I'd like to do more, you know, also during the event and he was at the event because he wanted to do more, but uh, seeing Dawson, I think it definitely sparked something inside him. So I'd obviously just purchased his property or I'd had it under contract and then he sent it to me. He told that story. Um, so I'm like, great, you can take over this. So I educated him on raising the gap funds. You raise your own gap funds for this and I'll sponsor the loan and, and do everything and, and talk you 
through all the processes. And he did, and I documented that, and some people may have seen those, those videos that we posted. But you see him be very nervous on the first phone call, trying to raise money, to by the fourth phone call, um, being very confident in in what he was saying. And these were people that he knew who, he knows the people, they were not just random people. And I'd already prearranged one of them that was gonna put the funds in, um, but he didn't know who. So he had no idea what was going on. He didn't know that any of them had already agreed to, to put in the gap funds. So he learned a good lesson that way. And then the next piece of that education was the processes. What do we go for? We've got to meet contractors now. We've got to come up with designs, you know, budgets, uh, schedules, everything. So on that first one, we held his hand a lot. You know, it wasn't so much go and do it. I can't do that. You know, I'm trying to teach him. Um, but he cottoned on very quickly and you know, again, I was impressed by how involved he wanted to be. Um, worked with obviously the wife Jess on, on all the design and our team, you know, we have project managers, he'd call them, um, to keep up with the project and it did very well. You know, we made about $45,000 on that, on that deal in a fairly short period of time. It was successful. But the issue that I have then is I'm cutting him a check and my wife's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm cutting him a check for his piece of the, you know, the, the profit. And she said, well, how much are you going to give him? And I said, well, 20,000. And she's like, whoa, you can't put $20,000 into a 13 year old's hand. Cause he was still 13 when the house sold. And it was like, whoa, yeah, you know, you're right. We've actually got to take a step back and actually think about this. So, you know, we, we thought about it, talked to several people about how they would, you know, approach the situation. And, I suppose it was right in front of us the whole time. That next step is teaching him about money, you know, financial responsibility. And I didn't tell him how much money he was getting, but I'm like, what are you going to do with your money? And he said, well, I'd like to buy some more sneakers. Uh, I'm going to tithe my 10% and I'll invest the rest into the next property. And I'm like, okay, he's ready because he was serious about it and he understood it and he was continuing to to research what real estate investing is about. And he watches from afar. You know when you see your kids are not listening to you because they've got headphones on and they're just paying no attention. You call them, they're not listening. But then they'll walk in and say something that's just like, man, you are listening the whole time. He's retaining more information than, than you know, I even thought. So he'd bring up some great points to me about, you know, how to invest his money and how he wants to, you know, house hack when he's in college, you know, like, who taught you about house hacking, you know? So it's, it's things like that. Um, but that was the difficult thing for us was doing that financial, uh, literacy stuff as well. That was important. Yeah, that's, uh, so that's specifically why I was asking about what you do with the money is kind of understand at that time, like what is the mindset around, a young person at 13 years old, 14 years old, because I mean, I look back at some of the financial decisions that I made. I feel like my dad poured a lot of really great, like decision-making process around money into my life, but it wasn't anywhere else. It wasn't in the schools. It wasn't in what I was learning. It certainly wasn't with my friends or my friend's parents, frankly. Um, a lot of those folks living paycheck to paycheck, losing their jobs, uh, you know, their house is 80% of their salary, those kind of things that I noticed when I was younger, um, not understanding how taxes work or how 
you know, compound interest works or saving or, or any of those things, you know, investing. And so what we do with my son, Will, right now is we've just started, I've just started working with him on money, 50%, and he got to pick the percentages. He actually went higher on investment than I was going to have him go on investment. So he puts 50% of anything that comes in into investment, 10% into giving, and then 40% into spending right now. And so if, you know, my dad gives him a hundred bucks for his birthday, then $50 goes into his investment account, $40 goes into something he can spend to buy some things and he's got to give $10 away. And so yeah, after the conversations I've had today with you guys, and then uh, Sophia and Marisol were on the podcast, I interviewed them this morning, uh, I'm going to go home and he's going to play a part of what I'm doing for my week of gratitude. I'm going to say, hey buddy, we're going to go to dinner one night and you are going to find somebody to give like your giving where you decide where you want to give it and how you want to give it. But some, I, I love it when we go to restaurants. Sometimes I'm like, Hey buddy, what should I leave for a tip? And he's like hundred dollars. And I'm like, you want me to leave a hundred dollars? Why should I leave a hundred? It's like a $20 meal that me and him are having. We went to an ice cream shop one time. He's like, leave a hundred dollars. And I'm like, why should I leave a hundred dollars buddy? And he's like, he's like, I can just tell like she's working really hard. She's been really great to us something. And so we just like, I remember we got two milkshakes one day. We're up here at Highway 55, and he's like, leave $100. And I was like, you sure? He's like, yeah. I was like, all right. I said, do you know how much $100 is? He's like, I do. And so I left it, and we just walk out. So we leave it and walk out. And see, he gets that because he saw me do it before, and he's been a part of it. So I was like, why should I leave 100 He's like, you left 100 before, and I think that she needs this more than the last person. And so it's just cool to see some of all of that stuff start sinking into them. And now it's like real money. It's his money. He's got a little debit card and that he can use at the farmer's market and stuff like that. So the other day, he's saving up for Air Jordans right now. Ali, you'll love this. He's saving up for Air Jordans. He's nine years old, and they're going to cost about $80 for him, the ones that he wants. And so he had $20 in his you know, spend account, saving up for these Jordans, and he wants to buy something in the farmer's market. And I said, hey, buddy, if you, you can buy that, but it's on your debit card. And if you do that, it's going to be six more dollars that you have to save to get your Jordans. And he's like, all right, I don't want it. I don't need it. He's like, I don't need it. And so it was cool to see. So uh, I think you're doing a great job. The whole idea, Ollie, now not spending it all on shoes, putting it back into the business, trying to figure out how to grow it and tie it is really incredible stuff. Yeah. And, hey, and, and that kind of... Sorry. Go, go ahead. I, I was going to say, um, and that's actually where most of my money uh, actually went. I only spent like a little bit. I'd say nine, 90% of the money that I made off of um, that first house, I put straight back into the second house, which is kind of upsizing a bit. So let's talk about the second house. You're playing the game Monopoly, it sounds like. So sold the first house, made 20000 What was next? Oof. So I chilled out, and then he just kind of told me one day, he was like, we got to find some houses. And I was like, okay, <laughs> so what do you need from me? And he was just like, um, just hop on the MLS and um, look at something. But so then I called up Matt, the guy who helped me initially, and I was like, "What's the criteria right now?" Because this is this is like two months after we had sold um, the first house, so, so I just took like a little break, kind of. Um, so then he sent me like this twenty-minute video, just kind of uh, walking through all of the different things that um, I should put into my search engine on the MLS to look for homes. So um, I was looking for some and it, it was kind of like the market was kind of dead and I couldn't really find much. And then um, anyways, um, 
this realtor <laughs> sends sends me this property in um St. Petersburg, kind of by the water. And I was just like, okay, looks good. So then um, I ran my own comps on it and they were pretty close to what like the protected thing was. Sent it um, to Matt, he ran his and um, it looked great. And I was like, uh, I know this is a bigger property I said to him. And he's like, okay. And, and I'm like, so can I take the money it, that I've got from this last house? And then do you mind if I call up a few more investors and then put it into this bigger one and he's like okay yeah <laughs> so then um i called some more people got um 50 grand um along with the 20 which i put in for um like the down payment like the loan and everything and now um we just started um we're on that now we're like a couple of weeks in um i've got my walkthrough video all set on it and um everything's doing great right now so the difference how did the, the difference right. with this one is if he doesn't if he doesn't manage the process that we've told him or he's not asking questions the house just sits there yeah so he's learning the hard way that days sitting empty cost money you know so he has to come to us to say okay what's going on when is this happening can we schedule this and he's talking with the contractors himself he's negotiating the you know, those contracts themselves. He's understanding about what we have to do with pools, um, the permit process, all the hoops that we have to jump through. He's actively engaged in them every single day. He's checking and he's making the calls because the first week he didn't. And I'm like, how's your house doing? Huh? Well, you know, we closed on it last week. How's it, how's it coming along? And he's like, um, we're not doing this for you, buddy. You know, I've, I'm here for you, but I'm not doing it for you. So that was a kind of bit of a wake up call for him. Yeah. On, on he, he's got to remain the deep end. So then I, I just kind of realized, oh shoot, I gotta like, I gotta start managing this one more and put more work in. So then um, after that, I've called on um, the GC more. Uh, and like, I'm trying to set up, uh, get all the floor plans. I've, I've just been trying to get everything set up because kind of like what he was saying, if I don't do my part, no one can do theirs. And at that point we're just losing money. And I'll let losing money. <laughs> so like, uh, well, he's, he's taught you how to fish on the first one and now it's time to fish. Right. Mm -hmm. And yeah. the other thing, Ollie is what's interesting is it's not like, what? like we are going to lose a lot of money. You are because your money's at risk <laughs> and you better be sure that the lender is going to get their money back first. So yeah. if the property breaks even or loses money, your money's going to be lost first and then theirs. So that's something to think about when you have like real money at risk like you do right now. It's not just risking the amount of profit, but it's about actually risking the amount of money that you put in personally. Yeah. So when you think about that, it's probably gonna speed you up, light a little fire, get you going, because I've found that nobody's gonna treat my money as good as me. So when you think about that, it's, yeah, the, the, the profit erodes, and then your money erodes, and then the second position lenders money erodes and then the first position lender. So those are the people that are going to come after their money first. So you just have to be careful with that. And so hopefully that lights a little fire on you and, and understands, like you said, is like, I, you don't want to lose money. Um, but it's, it's really your money now. It's your money in this deal. So it's not just your profit. It's not just like how much I'm going to, so, oh, okay, I'll make a little bit less. It's like, well, I mean, you might not even get your money back. So when you think about that, I bet you go faster. 
and you get more serious and you might negotiate a little harder and you might, you know, go a little bit further on, on a deal like that. So that's really exciting though. Um, Ryan, what do you think that like young people out there and like working with your son, Ali, basically you're, you've been doing scenario-based training with him for a while, from what I can tell, a simulation and scenario-based training inside of this, these deals. So like, what would you do if, Hey, let's work through this. Like you, you had somebody who was going to invest the money, but he didn't know who. So he had to go out there and, and kind of do the process to learn from the process. Right. And actually kind of learn how things are going. Um, What do you think is something that a parent could, uh, could help their kids? Like, where do you feel like these, the kids need the most uh, attention and effort and stuff like that? So, uh, and, and I realize Ollie's like a small subset of all the kids out there, but what would be something that you would give some advice to some of the parents out there in areas where they could develop their kids a little bit more in the business and money side? Yeah. As I said, initially nurturing, don't push, you know, but you can still nurture hard, but, uh, don't, don't force them. They have to come to it, you know, of their own choice and their own decision. And hopefully that comes with them asking more questions, um, to, to you as parents. Um, so that's what happened obviously with us and with Ollie, he actually came eventually and asked to do more. And now he's fully ingrained and he's asking me, when's the next mastermind? Obviously he was just another one. We've got the multifamily one that he can, came to as well. So he's very, wants to be around it, wants to be around the people all the time. The, the question he keeps asking is, do I have to go to college? You know, because I can just jump straight into real estate. And I'm like, well, I'll never force you to go into college, but you've got to really be sure about what you want to do. If you want to go to college, do something that's going to help us, help our business. You know, whether that be more into finances, whether it's construction management that's going to help you, you know, further, further evolve your career, you know, and if he ends up choosing not to go into college, what are you going to do? You know, so it's, he's only 14, but I still want him to have a path and a, and a clear direction of, of where he's going, going on that journey. Um, sorry, I'm going off, off on a tangent a little bit there, but, um, parents, getting into the business with their children. I, I think the financial aspect as well, you touched base on it a little bit with, with, with Will. It's, do they really understand the concept of money? Do they understand how much a hundred dollars is a thousand dollars? Because at the beginning, they really don't. When he wanted to spend that thousand dollars on shoes is because he didn't really understand the value of money and how hard people have to work for a thousand dollars. It's not easy. Um, so I think we definitely have to talk to our kids about the value of money and how much work has to go into, you know, earning money and then financial literacy that the school system for me, uh, it's kind of broken. Uh, they don't teach enough about financial literacy, credit scores and what that means later in life. You know, I've given Ollie all of that education now. So he understands what a credit score is, why it's important, you know, why we pay our bills on time. You know, I said to him, if you ever, ever, ever short of money and can't pay a bill, as mad as I will be on you, you need to come to me and ask me because I don't want any blemishes on your on your credit. Because I went through that when I was young in England. Um, you know, I had a blemish credit scores and, and it kind of made things very difficult. But, uh, you know, it's just a fast track education of what we've been through ourselves. I mean, yeah, not everybody's flipped as many houses as I, as I have, but some of it's just common sense, you know, decision-making, you know, on how to, to go through the process and the steps. Um, 
Yeah. Yeah, I like it. One thing you said that kind of was interesting to me is is let them be on their own timeline. So some of your kids might be ready at eight or nine years old to start having these conversations. Some might not be ready. Some might be ready at six or seven. Some might not be ready till 10 or 11 or 12. One thing that I've heard when it comes to interviewing Ali now and then Sophia earlier was everybody's going to kind of find this on their own timeline. And what, what was interesting is both conversations, the kids hated real estate before that. They wouldn't get out of the car. They didn't want to go. They didn't want to deal with it. Their parents were kind of bringing them to the job sites and they thought they were being punished by doing that is what I heard from both. Now, Ali, not as direct from you, but you were like your dad talking about you're staying in the car and wearing your headphones and those kind of things. And, and Sophia really like hated real estate when she was younger from like 12 to 14. She just, even before it caused some, some turmoil in their life. Uh, they had, in fact, they had to move. She had to move away from her best friend. And she, she blamed a lot of that on her parents doing real estate instead of just working like all her other friends' parents did. And now looking back, she sees how silly that was and, and how, um, how ridiculous it was and how much of a blessing it is. So it's really what I say is just like, let your kids be on their own timeline. Like you said, Ryan, give them a little like nudge and stuff like that, but don't throw them in. But, you know, just encourage it and show up and they're watching us for whatever you're doing. They're watching. If you have bad financial habits, they're watching. If you have really good financial habits, they're watching. So as a parent and somebody who's listening, I would say, what do your financial habits look like? Where, where did you get your financial literacy from? And, and if you don't feel confident and comfortable in that, what are you doing to move that to a direction where you could be a good example for your kids? And that might be getting them around other people that have great financial decision-making and training and, and things like that and putting them in a place where they get the foundation that you didn't get. And honestly, you're listening over the shoulder and going through the same things as them because it's, it's available to us. And a lot of times we need that stuff at a, a third, fourth, and fifth grade level, not something that is just totally complex like money and and, and the things that most of the financial conversations, they're not overly complex. It's just people make it that way so it feels really scary. Like I believe that the system is designed to make keep you broke. Like banks, credit card companies who are really just banks, financial advisors, Wall Street, all these people, they, they make financial literacy sound so difficult so they can get paid. My credit card interest is 24.99% on a credit card. We're paying 20, and it's legal. I can't charge more than 18% interest on my notes when I loan money, but the credit card companies can charge 25% interest. Like, how is that even possible? There's expense ratios that are three, four, 5% on some of these stocks and mutual funds that you have, but you don't know because your financial advisor is not telling you, and they're charging you one or 2% also. So you're losing somewhere between four and 5% every single year, which compounds out to be hundreds of thousands of dollars over the 30 years that you're in the stock market that you won't look, you won't know about because it's hidden in a prospectus for a stock that's 85 pages long. And the banks give you 300 pages of documents to sign when you buy a house. So you don't read any of them. And all the things, it's just, all this stuff is designed to, to keep you broke. And it's driving me nuts too. Um, I was I was making a YouTube video recently, and I had some high school kids that that we like found in the parking lots, and we're talking about airplanes and cars and stuff like that, and we're doing some really cool stuff with my plane. And I was like, "Hey, what costs more?" And just to your point, Ryan, of people not knowing what a hundred dollars is or a thousand dollars is, like 
the adults don't either, by the way. But these these young people were in high school, and they thought a Tesla was three hundred and fifty thousand dollars. One of the kids is like, I was like, how much do you think this car costs? It's a brand new twenty twenty three Tesla Model X. He's like three hundred fifty thousand. I was like, whoa. I was like, I'll sell you one right now for two fifty. You get a great deal. Um, it was like a hundred twenty thousand dollar car, you know. And so just there's a lot of just, uh, not not a lot of people understand what like value and money and, and the whole concept of that stuff. So we want to change that. We're, we're doing some big work to change some of that stuff. Um, Ali, what's, what's next for you? Like what, what's the plan? You're going to get just, just work on this. Like you're focused on this house that you've got going yeah, on right so now. I'm trying to focus on the one that I'm currently doing. And then obviously after that, um, just keep going. Uh, uh, what my goal for next year kind of is I want to do two houses because so far, like, Last year I did one, then this year we're going to do one. So now next year I want to do two to three. So I can just kind of scale up a little bit. Uh, but by the time I'm in college, I want to have fully switched over to multifamily. Just for like the more long-term income. Because like, uh, I don't know why I say this, but it's like, you're not really making full money if you can't make it while you're sleeping. Because like, think... If you're working every day, but then like you go to bed for what, like nine, 10 hours, j just whatever it may be, you're losing money technically because time is money. So like <laughs> the whole thing with multifamily is like me investing stuff in it younger. So this is more long term when I'm older, then it'll just keep piling up. So then I'll have more money as like a long term investment kind of just for like my kids and their kids that I can build up more. But right now I'm in single family to try and just, uh, it's kind of, in my opinion, the transition will be easier for me personally if I start single family and then switch over because then I'll understand the concept of both. So it won't just be like, I'm going into the deep end on multifamily. So uh, <laughs> that's a proud dad moment if I've ever heard one. Yeah, I'm not, uh, me and Bill obviously know the saying, you know, earn money where you're sleeping, you know. And, uh, <laughs> but it's just funny hearing it from him because that's not coming from me, by the way. He's got his own mind and his own ideas, and uh, which we've talked about. You know, it, it is a, definitely a proud dad moment. He's looking to, he sees the financial freedom I have, you know, of being in multifamily and being in single family. You know, one is a, you know, continual income and the other one is generational wealth. And again, he hears these conversations. He comes to these events and he speaks to people. And, you know, he's a social butterfly, which I'm totally the opposite, as you, as you know. But, uh, yeah, it is definitely a proud moment. But, again, like we have to in business, when we have ideas, it's about taking action. And too many people are scared to take action which is why I love what you were doing with the kids mastermind. And, you know, even these podcasts that you've done two of today, showing kids taking action, getting out of their comfort zone. And if they're doing it, why can't you do it? You know, they inspire other kids, they inspire other adults. And uh, I, I love it. I love what the whole seven figure uh, family is all about. So. Well, right now I feel like the kids are, the kids are moving faster than the adults, frankly, because they don't have so much, they don't believe that they can't do it. They don't have so much stacked resistance in, in background history, behavioral 
uh, all that stuff of things that they failed in in the past. Like they honestly don't know that they can fail. And like, so if you're listening to this, part of it is it's just your risk profile. Like you're not willing to take the risk that it takes. But when you really do the math, like anybody that's flipped more than 100 houses, I, I've I've done this survey in big rooms with hundreds and thousands of investors. And I'm like, who's lost more? Who's lost? Who's lost money on it more than 10% of their houses? Nobody's raised their hand. It's usually like three to 5% of a hundred houses. You're losing money on three to five houses maybe, or breaking even. And so like the risk is insanely low, but you just got to get out there. You got to get out there and, and do it. And you, you do that by de-risking the, the, the structure. And it's a lot of the stuff that we're working on inside our runway program, our altitude program is these scenario-based training. However, the cool thing about the kids is they, they don't have a foundation. They, they will jump off a bridge into a river, literally. Like I did that when I was a kid all the time. I didn't know how deep the water was. It just, somebody told me that they used, they jumped off this bridge and it was awesome. And I was like, okay, cool. Like I'll, I'll jump into this little river, you know, and we would just do crazy stuff. So they're not, they don't have the risk profile and they're not afraid to go take action. Cause I mean, they don't know what it's like to fail. They're just, they just go out there and do it. They don't, I'll call somebody. Okay. Like ask this. Okay. Like they don't have massive, crazy high expectations for themselves. They're just like, I'll try it. Like I'll try it. And and that's, what's really cool. Does, does Ali know that you guys are in the, uh, in the group? Did I tell you that we signed up for the kids group? Saw the new master. How big is it? No. Well, you're paying for it. <laughs> <laughs> you're paying for it. I love it. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, we're, it, it if you're interested in trying to figure out what the next step is for you and your family and, and the kids that, that you're, you're listening to this and you're like, I, how do I get my kids involved? Like, how do I get my kids around these other kids? And, um, and, and kids, kids is a, ch a challenging, I, I've been using this word, like it's a kid's mastermind. It's for the kids, but like these, these young adults do not want to be called kids. So and we really worked hard to try to figure out what that is. And honestly, I spent like two hours before this, uh, show with you guys trying to figure out what to call it because I was recording a video about it. And uh, at, when I was talking to Sophia, I was asking her like, how do you feel? Like, what do you, what do you want to be called? What do you like to be called? And we just landed on the exact name of my book. So Teenage Tycoon, we're calling it Teenage Tycoon. That's what it is. That's the mastermind because what we, all these other names and words that I've, I had come up with um, really, I don't think made it feel like they can actually become financially free in their teen years. Like how can you build the foundation and this, this structure and setup for generational wealth in your teens where that's really, I think the goal and the mission here is to make it really feel like, you know what? I mean, a teenager, 18, 19 years old, you're a teenager until you're 20. And I'm sure teenagers don't want to be called teenagers either, but like at some point, like I don't think I can get it right with the young folks out there at all anyway. So I want to bring this word tycoon back, which has completely been eradicated from the, the vocabulary and language of our youth. Like I guarantee Ali has no idea what a tycoon is. It just doesn't exist in their vocabulary anymore. Um, but for us, like us old people like me, the dinosaur, like we grew up on oil, the oil tycoons, the real estate tycoons, like, and, and, and this is like, I think this kind of, this word can come back in a good way, not in a way where we're like, you know, ripping people off and doing shady stuff, but really how can you be this, like this wealthy person who is, is like, how can you be, how can you build the foundation for generational wealth to become 
uh, tycoon in whatever industry you want to, whether it's oil, like the oil tycoons. I remember when I was a kid, they were talking about that. Like this person just made their money in oil. You got the real estate tycoon, somebody who made their money in real estate. And it, you've got all of these different worlds. It could be e-commerce e tycoon. You could like whatever path in Amazon, you're selling stuff on Amazon, like whatever you want to do, a marketing tycoon, a uh, sales tycoon, like whatever you pick as your vehicle, that's what we're going to be talking about in there is it's not just real estate. It's about the, fi the financial structure and foundation. And then also like in the entrepreneurial world and business, what is that? And these, these young people can make money in many different ways. In fact, Ali, there's a kid that I know who's, um, who's buying sneakers and then he's selling the sneakers for a profit. He's turned $200 into like over $2,000 flipping sneakers. And so it's stuff like that, baseball cards, um, just entrepreneurial spirit kids who are not fitting into the regular system right now coming in. And so it's the Teenage Tycoon Mastermind as of like an hour ago. So there we go. Um, I know we're, we're doing a lot of things together, um, Ryan, you and I, on like TV show and stuff like that that we're working on. Um, but I really feel like this purpose, like the future of our youth is really, it's up to us. And, and I don't just mean me and you, but I mean like the parents. Like we, everybody's talking about how horrible it is out there for the youth, but um, it, 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 the, the future is really bright. So um, what are you guys most excited? About? Let's wrap it up here. What are you guys most excited about for the Teenage Tycoon Mastermind? Like maybe Ali. Ali, what are you most excited about? Do you even know what it is or what's going on in it? I'm kind of just excited to actually be part of like an actual group. That's kind of the thing for me, just being part of something more. Um, and I'm and one thing that I'm excited for is meeting more kids that are kind of into it. Because I've so far only been able to talk to some adults. I mean, there's very few kids like um, uh, Jesse Chirlio, like Sophia. Yeah, Sophia, um, Jesse, Tossing, Xavier. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all the of you from the event, you know, like I've, I've made a few friends. All the kids that are already coming to our event right now, like yeah. all the all the young people that are already coming to our event that you know. I've spoken to basically all of them, um, and I was excited to meet more people that like are into it and kind of like, uh, and and if they haven't done stuff yet, then I can try and give some advice and kind of just tell them like what I've personally done because like. It's easier to listen to another kid than to listen to like an adult talking to you. That's why Dawson's presentation really hit home for me because like it's, yep. it's just hearing someone like your age is just kind of different because like they're going through the same stuff you're going through. They're doing like the same stuff. Like it's just different. So, so I'm just excited to meet other people like that and get into it and to learn a lot more. So yeah. Well, I'm excited for you guys too, because all these kids in one place is going to be absolutely amazing. So if you're interested as a parent, um, a grandparent, somebody who knows someone, a homeschool parent, whatever it is, you, you don't feel like you're getting enough um, from the school system right now, or your kids need more, um, you can go to, I just, I just bought the domain right before this call, teenagetycoon.com. So I didn't know what to say on the last show because I didn't have it. So teenagetycoon.com, if you go there, you'll be able to learn a lot more about what we're doing. And I'm excited about it. You'll be hearing more about it. The link will be in the description and in the email. Uh, Ryan and Ali, thank you guys for being here. I absolutely loved it. One of my favorite shows I've ever recorded. 
Um, hey, Ali and Ryan, like uh, Ali specifically, how can people find out more about you if they want to watch you somewhere or connect? Um, on my YouTube channel, which I'm starting up now, called The Teenage House Slipper. Uh, we're, we're just kind of setting it up now, and we're about to post um, like our first video, which is going to be a walkthrough of um, my latest tone. And then we're obviously going to start posting like um, as much as we can and just trying to get more into it so we can just kind of like promote everything more. Um, cause it's, for me, it's not really about like the fame or anything like that. Cause I'm probably not going to get anything out of this, right? <laughs> Just the people that one day you will, one day you will, but it, hopefully, <laughs> uh, but the people that know me and like friends and family or like my friends, friends and just other people that are interested in it, I just hope they can get something out of it. Just seeing something I can do because it's just kind of like what Dawson said. If I can do it, you can do it too. And the, and that's what I'm trying to say more. Like, sorry, I, I kind of stole his catchphrase, but like. <laughs> it's all of our catchphrase, man. You got it. I'll tell you what, if you send me the link, we'll put it in the show notes. We'll put it in the description and make sure that everybody can click on there and subscribe that wants to subscribe and check it out. Sound good? Awesome. Great. Thank you. All right. Thanks for being here, guys. And if you're watching this, go to TeenageTycoon.com. Uh, you can find out all the information about our uh, young person mastermind or our kids mastermind or our teenage mastermind or whatever you want to call it. So uh, really excited about that. And I'll see you guys on the next show.